Good morning, Valley Real Life. How's it going today? Feeling pretty good? You didn't pick up on it. We're going to be talking about the movie Hitch today, which uh, is one of my top favorite movies. It's hilarious. Last week, Ryan talked about Wonder, and he made you cry because Wonder is sad. This week, you're going to cry because you laugh so hard. It'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll be great. Well, I hope everyone had an amazing 4th of July. Hopefully it was awesome. Spent great time with family, with friends. Maybe you spend it with strangers. I don't know how you do 4th of July, but any way you do it is great. It's fantastic in my world. I got asked a question on Wednesday, July 3rd. I got to ask this question. The question was this. At what point is it inappropriate to continue to wear solid red, white, and blue? Like, is it okay the day after? Like, should you wear all 4th of July? Is July 5th like, oh, inappropriate? Like, I don't know. I, I th almost came in a complete flag suit, but I didn't know if three days after was okay. I don't know. It's, it's up in the air. I don't know. I didn't find the answer. I didn't find the answer. Well, we're continuing in our series, Real Life at the Movies today. And if you've been with us, you know that we have been walking through different movies and we are not taking biblical principle out of the movies. Don't think we're preaching from Hitch today. We're not doing that. We're gonna preach from scripture. It'll be okay. Uh, we are, are taking biblical principles and just showing a visual aid through these movies on, on how this is actually happening. And so today we're gonna be talking in Ephesians 1. And this is for those of you that are planners, that you're like, I hate it when somebody says, okay, let's read out of Ephesians 1 and they start reading. You're like, I haven't even got there yet. So this is for you, Ephesians 1, tons of time. You can turn there now. Uh, before we get started, I just wanna point out the fact that although today's message is on dating, if you're married in the room, this message is totally for you and you will see how it is have a positive impact in your marriage as well. If you're dating, please tune in, please, yes. Uh, if you're single, there's still hope. Don't worry, we'll get through there. It'll be great. It's gonna be fine. Don't worry at all. So this is a message for, for everyone at any stage. And a couple of things I wanna address before we get started. Uh, for one, Hitch is PG-13. So I wouldn't recommend just automatically going and watching it with the family. I'd recommend screening it first. It's not meant for all ages. So check that out before you just let all of your kids watch it. And I wanted to say that because I don't want you coming back here and going, Eric, my four-year-old watched this movie and you didn't tell me. I just told you, so now you have it, now you have it. The other thing is that this movie came out in 2005. So I don't wanna hear afterwards, Eric, you spoiled the movie for me. You've had 14 years to watch this movie. So if you haven't watched it by now, I don't know what to tell you, I don't know. So I don't wanna hear spoiler alerts. I will tell you some spoilers in the movie. Um, and I'm sorry if you haven't watched it yet, but I've given you plenty of time. I've delayed this message for 14 years. Uh, and so here we are. So there's that. And the last thing I feel that you really need to know is that Will Smith is one of my favorite human beings on this planet. I love Will Smith. I think he's awesome. That doesn't mean I agree with everything he believes in, but I think he's awesome. And growing up, growing up, I absolutely loved Will Smith. I've watched every single one of his movies many times. I own all but one or two of them. And I grew up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Thank you. Yes. I'm hoping, you know, I tell you this to my middle schoolers, they're like, what's that? What's fresh, like fresh print? Is that like in the 80s? I'm like, how dare you? How dare you? No, it was 90s. So uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I loved this show growing up all the way to the point where I started telling people when I grow up, which I'm still working on, when I grow up, I want to be Will Smith. And they took that as, Eric, so you want to be in acting? You want to be in movies? I'm like, no, no, I didn't say that. I want to be Will Smith. I want to be tall, dark, and handsome. That's what I want for my life. 
So the moral of this whole message is some dreams are just foolish. Like, get rid of them. They're bad. You never can accomplish it. Anyways, so there's that. There's that. So let's take a look at the plot line in this movie. We're going to be talking about three main characters. I'll introduce a little bit of a fourth character, but the main character in this movie is Alex Hitchens. And they call him the date doctor. They call him Hitch. And he is the main role. And some things that you learn very early on about Alex Hitchens is the fact that he has it all together. He is, he is very put together. He is slick. He is smooth. He just knows what to say at all the right times. And he is the dating guru. And he knows everything about women. He thinks he does. But that's complicated. Anyways, we can get into that in a different message. But so there you have Hitch. He's the main character. And then we have this guy named Albert Brenneman. And I, like, as soon as you hear the name, you're like, oh, this guy's not gonna be smooth. Like, <laughs> nope, mm-mm. Uh, I judged him by his name. I know that's bad. I'll ask for forgiveness. It'll be fine. Uh, so Albert Brenneman, and I would love to explain this guy to you, but I'm just gonna show you a clip because it does it justice. Let's check out who Albert Brenneman is. My business is 100% referral and thus far untraceable. And if there's one thing I've learned when you orchestrate, coordinate, and otherwise mess with fate, it's best to fly under the radar. Now you know everything you need to know about Albert Brenneman right there. That describes him in a nutshell. That's Albert Brenneman. And Albert Brenneman is in love with this girl named Allegra Cole. And the only thing you need to know about Allegra Cole is she is beautiful, she is rich, she is famous, and she has no idea that Albert even exists. So there's that. That's Allegra Cole. And then the third main character we're going to be talking about is this, this character, Sarah Milas. She is a reporter and she is very good at what she does. You could almost call her too good at what she does, um, but she's very cynical. Um, there's at one point in, in the movie where she talks to her boss and she goes, I'm a realist. And he goes, yeah, you're a realist masquerading as a cynic who is secretly an optimist. Yeah, so we know who you are. Yes. So that is Sarah Milas. And so the whole premise of this movie is, is Hitch, the date doctor, teaches these guys, teach these guys how to be who they need to be in order to fit into a relationship. So they try to redefine themselves through their relationship. And, and what you see happening throughout the movie is it's not working very well because they are defining who they are based on their current relationship that they're in on this planet. And so we understand that this oftentimes changes, but their definition of who they are based on their relationships. And so this brings me to my first question. How do you define who you are? How do you define who you are, right? We're, we see this happening in real life. And although this movie is absolutely hilarious, we see how we define ourselves by the things around us and our relationships happening all the time. And two weeks ago in the movie Incredibles 2, Ryan talked about the fact that sometimes we define ourselves by our careers. And, and it, no, that's not the case. Like that's what you do. That's not who you are, right? And then, then we oftentimes find ourselves defining ourselves by our political stance, right? Whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican. And then we define ourselves by our social status, right? Our financial wealth, 
Then we define ourselves by whether we're a Spokane Valley person or a Liberty Lake person. Yeah, we define that. You know it. You know it. It's okay. I live in Liberty Lake, so we can make fun of that. It's fine. But we define ourselves by that, right? And we're seeing this massive culture shift in today is, is this culture shift where we're starting to define ourselves by our relationships that we are currently in and how we view our relationships. We're seeing it all the time. We're seeing that we're starting to define ourselves by whether we're married or whether we're single, by whether we believe in a monogamous relationship or a polygamous relationship, by whether we are straight, homosexual, bisexual, we're starting to define ourselves by that when that is not who we are. Maybe it's a part of our story but we're defining ourselves by those relationships rather than defining ourselves by the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And we see this as a problem. We know that this is dangerous and we're starting to see the negative effects of it today in real life. And we see it in this movie. It happens over and over and over. And I wanna make one thing clear. I'm not saying relationships are bad. I truly believe that God designed us and created us for relationship, to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with others. So relationships are a positive thing, but they become negative to our lives when we start defining who we are through those relationships. See, the first thing that we notice that happens is the fact that when we define ourselves based on the relationships we are currently in, we have this constant fear of rejection. We fear being rejected versus if we define ourselves by the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, we know that we are accepted. See, that's the difference. That's the comparison. And over and over, we witness this in the movie with Albert Brenneman. He is so afraid to be rejected by Allegra Cole. He's willing to change who he is to fit into any box, any circle in order to create that relationship because he has this fear of rejection. And I believe we can all relate to this. I believe at some point in your life, you've, you felt rejection or, or you have feared rejection, whether it be with families, whether it be with a dating relationship, whether it be with friends or maybe even a random group of strangers. Right? I mean, I go around the country and I speak to middle schools and high schools. And there are times when I'm walking in the building, I've never met them in my entire life and I'm afraid that they're gonna reject me. I am placing a piece of my identity on whether they accept me or reject me. I don't even know what they look like yet. I'm like, why are you doing that? See, when we start defining ourselves by the current relationship we're in, we have this constant fear of rejection. And we learn in Ephesians chapter one that through Jesus, this is different, right? Verse one, it says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. One thing I wanna say, thank you, Paul, because I don't know how many times I start reading a scripture. I'm like, I don't even know who's writing this right now. Like, I know I work at a church and everything, but I'm not the smartest all the time. I'm like, who's writing this? So thanks, Paul. Paul's writing this. Uh, also writing it to the people of Ephesus. So this is fantastic. He's awesome. Uh, verse two, may God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace, spiritual blessings, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even more, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. You see, when we start defining ourselves by the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, we know that we are accepted, that we are loved, that he chose us before the beginning of time, that he has openly said, come to me, I will adopt you into my family. 
See, that's the beauty of where we shift our focus to defining ourselves by our relationship with Jesus is he accepts us. We don't have to live in fear of rejection anymore. He accepts us. No matter what we do, he accepts us open-handedly. He loves us and he chose us. He chose you. Think about that for a second. He chose you. I don't know where you're at in life right now, but Jesus chose you. I think that's pretty special. How many of you remember the first time you met your significant other or maybe the current person you're dating or, or you remember the first month or two in a relationship? Mm-hmm. You know that first month or two where there's like this, this dating magic happening where you're like, oh, this person is flawless, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And you try to not make a mistake and your whole goal is to let them know that you are not human. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, we've all been there. Uh, and then do you remember that time uh, when that started wearing off? Yeah, and you're like, whoa. Uh, yeah, there's a one point in time where it fades away. You see, we try to create this perfect image of ourselves because we have this fear of failure, but there's a point where it all wears away, right? I don't know where that point was with you. Maybe you're, you're with your spouse right now and you're like, oh, I remember, I remember, right? You remember that time when I was going out of town and I wanted to say bye to you and it was 6 a.m. in the morning and I invited you to coffee and you rolled out of your car in your pajamas and I don't even know what you did with your hair, but oh my goodness, I was scared. I don't know. I've never seen this person. Yeah, you remember that time? You remember that time. Yeah. (laughs) Right? There's a point in time when it all fades away. When you have to come to grips with reality that we're human, that we make mistakes. But we start out in our relationships. If we define ourselves through that relationship, we have this fear of failure. This fear of messing up. And if we'd shift our focus to Jesus we would know that we don't have to live in fear of failure anymore, but we can live in this place where we know that we are freed from sin. That's a good place to be. No more fear of failure. We are freed from sin. That's the difference, right? In your relationships, we fear this all the time and we see this in Hitch, right? Hitch has it all together, but we learn early on in the movie that he had this terrible relationship in college that changed the way he viewed relationships. And that's why he started trying to redefine guys and redefine himself to fit into a relationship is because he failed. And he had this massive fear of failure and he didn't wanna mess up. He didn't wanna ruin all of the relationships around him because he would fail. See, we don't have to live that way because we know that we are freed from sin through Jesus if we'd focus on that relationship. But before we move on, I wanna give you a little bit of hope I want to give you a little bit of hope. How many of you had a first date that was completely terrible, went completely wrong, and it was miserable? Come on, I know some. Yes, all right, yeah. Okay, I want to give you hope. Because as much as Hitch has it all together, as cool and structured and the right things to say, even the best of us fall down sometimes on our first date. Check out this clip. You know, I think it must have sucked up a diaper or something. AAA. Come on around and let me hop on with you. I don't know. What if you break mine too? Then we'll both be sitting ducks. I didn't break it. It just died. Yeah, yeah. All right, oh, hop geez. on. <laughs> uh, scoot back. Hitch, I'm already here. Well, yeah, but you don't know where we're going. Well, why don't you tell me and then we'll both know. Sarah? Man, male egos. I don't know how you guys make it through the day with them. What? No, it is not my ego. I just, I don't want to ruin the surprise. 
So as long as you didn't kick her in the head, I think second date will be just fine. See, we all mess up. We all fail. And instead of living in this place where we're afraid to fail, we can move to a better place. And I believe even if you're married, there are moments in your marriage where you fear failure. You fear messing up. You fear of making a mistake. And we don't have to be chained down to those mistakes. You see in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, it says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. You see, he died for you and for me. And for those of you, if, if you're non-believer and you don't really understand this, God sent his son down to this earth to walk a perfect life, to die, to free you from your sins. See, we can walk freed from our sins rather than chained to the fear of our failure. We don't have to walk in that. If we would change and shift our focus from defining ourselves by our current relationship we're in to defining ourselves through our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can be freed from that sin. Now, this doesn't mean we can just go out and do whatever we want. But what it does mean that we can move forward. We can turn from that sin and be like, okay, I'm giving that to God. I'm moving forward. You don't have to be chained to it. It does not have to define who you are. We can define ourselves by what Jesus says. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we are created, or we are God's masterpiece. See, we're his best work. So maybe you fear failure. You feel, fear messing up. Know that you are God's best work. That's special. And we can be freed from all of those sins, all of that failure, if we would start a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can be freed from it. There's a third relationship uh, in this movie that I'd like to take a look at that I feel is important, but oftentimes it gets overlooked, right? We're always focused on, on dating the other person. Uh, we're focused on improving you know, the other person improving ourselves, but we don't really focus on this one particular relationship that perhaps could have the strongest influence on how you define yourself. So let's check out this clip of Sarah Milas. Hitch? Are you here? Should I come back later? Hi. I thought uh, I thought you left. You see, it's this relationship we have with the person staring back at us in the mirror, right? And to, to back up on this story a little bit, the night before, Hitch ate something that he was really, really allergic to. His face swelled up. If you haven't seen the movie, you got to watch it. It's hilarious. His face swelled up. So they went to the store. He drank a bunch of Benadryl, drank too much Benadryl. So he was a little out of it. So she had to take him home and care for him. And he fell asleep on the couch and she took care of him the night before. But it's this relationship we have with ourselves, Right, you heard her, she's like, Sarah, you're so stupid, you're such an idiot. So I ask you, how's your self-talk lately? When you look yourself in the mirror, do you say good things? Or do you bring yourself down? 
I heard someone say once, they said, I would be absolutely ashamed to say something to somebody else, the same things that I tell myself every day. See, that relationship is important. And we would define ourselves by the way we believe who we are. We're going down this tough, difficult path. See, we shouldn't look in the mirror and think poorly of ourselves. We shouldn't be thinking, you know what? You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You're not strong enough. You're not gonna accomplish anything in life. You're not good enough. You see, if we define ourselves with our relationship with Christ, we'd know that that's not true. That through him, we can do this. Through him, he can lift us up. You see, and we see this sweeping the nation. And I would even say sweeping the world. It's huge. I see it with students every single day. They have this negative self-talk and we're seeing the negative effects of it right before our eyes. We see the rates of self-harm shoot through the roof. We see the suicide rate just skyrocket. It's unbelievable how often this happens and how accepted it is. And I talk with students all the time and there's one main common theme is that they feel completely alone. They feel like they have to go through life by themselves. They have to work through the struggle all alone and they're defining themselves by how they view themselves in the mirror and they view themselves as being completely alone and empty. And if we would shift our focus to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we would know that we're not alone. We would know that we are never alone. So shifting that focus from our relationship with ourselves to Jesus, we are never alone, ever. Ephesians chapter one, verse nine says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. See, in John chapter 16, Jesus says that he's sending the advocate to be with us always. And the advocate is the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See, we're never alone. But I think oftentimes we get caught up on on how we view ourselves and the relationship we have with the person looking back at us in the mirror and the negative things that that person says. But if we shift our focus toward Jesus, and the relationship we have with him, he says differently. He chose us. He adopted us. He loves us. That's the relationship we need to define who we are on. See, we learn at the end of the movie that Allegra Cole actually doesn't like any of the things that Hitch set up for Albert and how he tried to redefine who Albert was. Allegra Cole actually loved Albert for who he truly was his goofy, uncoordinated, weird self, like that's what she loved. Which brings me to this point, is that I believe we're in a good place when we're focusing on our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we are true to who God created you to be. Be true to who God created you to be. You won't learn that in the movie, but we'll learn that through scripture to be true to who God created to be, which means you have to take steps to build your relationship with Jesus Christ, which means you have to take steps toward him. You have to take those steps so that you can be true to who God created you to be and who he truly meant you to be. That's tough sometimes. You know, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, Eric, that sounds great, cool. Like, I hear you, I got it, but like, what, what do I do with that? Like, <laughs> 
That's a lot. What do I do with that? I think Romans chapter 12 really gives us a clear image of how to start processing this and handling this. So we'll be in Romans chapter 12, verse one. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. You see, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know if you're married, if you're dating, if you're single, but I would say this, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is your first step. I would highly encourage you to start that relationship with Jesus so that you can stop living in fear of rejection and fear of failure, and you can stop believing that you're all alone because you're not alone. So I would start there, and if that's you today, I would encourage you to just make your way over to the cross. Adam will be over there to pray with you and to walk you through what that looks like and what that means for your life. That's your first step. Maybe you're in a marriage or you're in a dating relationship and you're like, Eric, I don't, I don't really know what to do. It's not going super great. Things are tough. Things are real tough. But we believe in God, we know that he is good and we know that he, he wants us to, to, to continue to move toward him, but I don't really know what to do. I think it says it right up here. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I would say your step is to shift your focus. Shift your focus to God. I don't care what relationship you're in, God should be the center of it all center of your marriage, center of your dating relationship, center of your friends. God should be the center of all of your relationship and you should define all of your relationships by what God says about you, nothing else. And so if you need to make that shift, make that shift today. Just shift focus, restart. You don't have to be held by the sins of your past and what happened yesterday. You can be freed from that sin and you can know that you don't have to walk alone in your marriages and in your relationships. You can walk with Jesus and he'll walk right alongside you the entire time. Shift your focus to him. Shift your focus to God. And maybe you're in the room and you're like, I feel like I'm doing okay here, Eric. I make mistakes, but I'm focusing on God. I'm doing everything I can to put God in the center of my relationships. What do I do? Here's what I know. I know that each and every one of us in this room knows somebody that is either struggling with fear of rejection, fear of failure, or at one point in their life has felt completely alone. I know that we all know a person I would say that your step is to reach out to them. Reach out to them, encourage them, lift them up, help them feel loved, help them know that Jesus wants them, that Jesus wants a relationship with them. He wants to show them love and grace and kindness and they never have to feel alone ever again, but it's up to you 
to reach out to them. Maybe that's your step. I don't know which one of those you fall under, but what I do know is that God loves you, that God chose you, that God accepts you. And if you'll have it, God will free you from that sin and you never have to feel alone ever again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that you'll continue to work in our lives, that you'll help us with our relationships, that you'll help shift our focus to who you are and your love and your grace and your kindness. God, I just, I pray that we'll define ourselves by what you say about us, not what anybody else says, not what relationship we're in on this planet, but the relationship that we have with you. God, please help us to define ourselves by that. Because you say we're loved. God, and and you chose us. So God, I just pray for anyone that, that is struggling, that doesn't know you, God, I pray to you that you will make yourself known in their life, that they will accept you into their life and they will shift their focus to you and you alone. God, I pray for any relationship that is struggling, that, that those individuals know you, but they just don't know what to do. God, I pray to you that you will show them the path to take in life, that they will turn their focus to you, turn their eyes on you and who you are. And God, I pray to you that you'll give us all courage and the boldness to reach out to anyone in our lives that we feel needs some love, needs some grace, needs some understanding. God, I pray to you that we will have the courage to reach out to them, to invite them to you. God, and I pray that you will work through that situation, that your light will shine. God, thank you for being consistent in our relationship. Please help us to continually improve our relationship to you and continually to take steps toward you in faith, God. We thank you for all this and we love you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.